Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire cartoon fan podcast. This is episode 347, and today we'll be talking about Karate Trainer from Glitch Text. I'm GC13. And I'm David. I don't miss Steven Universe, I swear. <laughs> oh, I have been feeling very much missing the regularity of Steven Universe episodes. I've been filling holes with so many different shows, but I feel a rewatch coming on very soon. Likewise, but at least, at least we have Karate Trainer from Glitch Text today. If you made me pick a favorite episode of Glitch Text, it would probably be this one. I, I don't know why, it's just, like, the easiest episode to just sit down and watch. Also, the Toad understands me. It's a rich episode that isn't weighted down by a lot, so they manage to put in a lot of good stuff, but it's not narratively complex, it doesn't require a ton of processing of you know really new information or uh, not even just like oh there's new lore bits but it's it's a simple enough story with sibling relationship improves because sister teaches sister and sister teaches sister back and it doesn't have to be more than that and then we also have just the great stuff that you get with glitch tech episodes which is just loading it to the brim with references and really good ones. I, I love stealth games and fighting games this time around as the focus. It's kind of amazing to me that they can do both in a single episode to pretty great success and also kind of make the stealth the route of for com- more comedy <laughs> with five and then have the, the narrative based around the fighting escalation in a sort of Street Fighter slash Mortal Kombat ripoff. So it's it was just really great. You know, it's very curious that when the belt glitched out on her at the end there, she ended up having to fight the karate master, but she never beat the monkey. So shouldn't she have been fighting him? Or was she just fighting him without enough chi? I, I don't... Was she at a disadvantage in that fight? You know, getting the free power up and sort of fighting in the suit of armor, I think was good to instill a little bit of confidence but it did sort of cheat the system a little bit like it's nice to give lexi a win but since the story was really about you know just enjoy the thing whether or not you win i can't help but think if there would be any alternative but i'm okay with lexi just kind of power (laughs) powering up and and blowing through the final enemy i'm disappointed that she didn't rip out the spine of the, of the last guy. <laughs> Hers was even more calm than Miko's. I was really looking to see how far they would push the ultimate finishing move, you know. But they didn't. They didn't go for gore, which um, you know, I'm completely surprised by. Glitch text is usually so hyper violent, but I'll take it. I know. I know. This was nearly as tame as an Invincible episode. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, they've crushed turtles in Glitch Text. I mean, there's been some horrible things. Brutally. But as, as far as the, the power-up, I guess Miko's goal was to make Lexi OP at Kitty Karate, so mission accomplished. I thought almost for a second there that because they were playing games together, the lesson was going to be, actually, Mom and Dad, I don't care about karate anymore either i'm just gonna play video games i'm gonna become a ranked gamer like my sister exactly i thought that would be a very glitch text type lesson you know who needs physical activities let's all play video games 
Hey, Nyx was recruited to Glitch Techs based off of his achievement hunting, so if Lexi could become a high-ranked achievement hunter, then she could have steady employment ahead of her. I mean, that's true. Gaming in this world is a little more, uh, or at least if you're doing it for Hanobi, can be both lucrative and very physically involved, so. Hail to the king, baby. Yeah, a little, little better than our world. So I, you know, mentioned that Five's, you know, misadventures in attempting to be a stealthy boy were lovably goofy, but how it played off of Phil really somewhat <laughs> made it <laughs> oh, excellent. that was glorious, the do you have a death wish? I just, yes, like, Phil is a real adult man, and it is <laughs> unbelievable, the contrast. Like, Miko actually tackles him, and they really play that up. Like, how can you tackle your boss and not just, ha- you know, end your employment, have the police called? So great. I mean, they are in a combative job, so I guess it all makes sense. <laughs> right. Plus, he did have a B on his shirt. Like, he admitted that he had a B on his shirt. <laughs> I can't see the B, but, like, they both saw it. And the fact that the whole little engagement was initiated because Miko had to scream across an incredibly long hallway. You keep calling five Miko, by the way. Sorry. Did I say f- Miko? I also have brain Twice. farts. I-, I did love fives. Here, let me call attention to myself, even though you're ignoring me. That was nice. Yes, I don't know how he got, you know, he really applied the other lessons from the Metal Gear Solid game to real life. He could flip, you know, the coin out to distract and grab the badge, but I don't know. I, I guess the game didn't involve hiding <laughs> the presence of someone else's activity. Yeah, there was there was no social stealth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually a gap. Like hit, a game like Hitman, you never have someone else doing something and you're the distraction. You know, you don't pull out your hula skirt like Timon and start doing a little dance. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, most people find Agent 47's activities to be pretty distracting. So how, you, you don't know what other people are getting up to while you're making your escape. There's just I don't know of a stealth game where someone else is doing the stealthy stuff and you're the distraction. It's like combining everyone's two favorite missions in levels. You combine a stealth mission with an escort mission, and you have the ultimately beloved level. <laughs> Absolutely beloved. Maybe that's the twist, though, like, that you need, because escort missions suck because you're just walking or fighting enemies, and the person is always helpless. But in this scenario, the person is doing a thing, and they're not quite helpless. They'll just be caught or not. But also, you don't have to be near the helpless, hapless yeah, that's AI. True. That's true. Like, it's also really annoying when you're doing an escort mission, and the AI is crappy (laughs) and you get super annoyed and you just don't want to do it anymore but if the premise is that they're not really there and you're just like having to juggle or make weird conversation like really awkward (laughs) dialogue choices i don't know could be interesting wonderful weather we're having right (laughs) right like mm, that would be an interesting type of game to do when we have more sophisticated AI so that instead of just doing dialogue choices, you straight up have to make conversation and there's some level of knowledge of <laughs> if your social interaction yeah. makes sense or not. Like, wonderful weather we're having might not cut it depending on the uh, type yeah, of person. it's pouring rain. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, but you did say earlier that this was the episode where, you know, typical sisterly level up of the sisterly relationship through, you know, shared activity. 
But what I thought was really interesting about their sisterly relationship is that apparently it's already improved in the background. Because we have Miko saying, oh, blackmail is against the sibling code. (laughs) Whereas in the first episode of the series, like, she was just expecting that, oh, Lexi's going to blackmail me. So what's it going to (laughs) cost? So we've gone from blackmail being expected to blackmail being unconscionable. (laughs) Yeah, somehow a code was developed in the background, and I like that. But also that drone, like if I had a sibling with a drone following me around and making backups of my activity. I mean, I too, it would be hard to trust them, but I I guess they overcame it. Yep. I mean, she does, that. the way she says I love karate so much, it sounds like she's being sarcastic, but then she continues and she genuinely does enjoy it. How is she competing for a silver trophy if it's true that she's no good at it? I mean, maybe that the way she describes it as being no good is a little bit of an exaggeration. She's not good enough to be the best, but she's good enough like no one ever to was? get somewhere. But yeah, well, <laughs> Ash Ketchum always is <laughs> the best. Yeah. Uh, like Miko, you know, just seemingly over to, able to overcome anything, which makes it hard to be a sibling. How do you think that fight between Nancy and Miko would have gone? Hmm. Like, I don't, I don't think Nancy would have had a chance. I mean, Miko is taller <laughs> and really experienced. And I was thinking again in this episode, how inexplicably good Miko is at physical, you know, acrobatics and same with Five. Five's really awesome at it too. But then again, he he masters combos with repetition and muscle memory. So like that's basically karate, just like just like Lexi said. But I mean, they freaking flip upside down and do spin kicks. And <laughs> they're still real bodies. They're not being augmented by VR as far as I can tell when they're in the game world. So the physical skill that Miko has is unbelievably matured, like beyond any of the physical... Like, she'd be, you know, we've done our different, like, who would win in a fight (laughs) series. The physical abilities that Miko has puts her against the type of combat that someone like Sokka or Connie, you know, could achieve in their, you know, otherwise magical worlds. Miko could also be a serious combatant. And then you put in the gauntlet and it's like, oh my god. (laughs) Well, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't think that... Miko and Five are that anomalous. Like, do you see? Look, go back and watch the first round, the first point between Lexi and Nancy, and look at how high Nancy jumps. She's got some legs on her. I think she is a skilled practitioner of toad style or something. But is Nancy exaggerated for the scene? Because also, she just barely taps in order to, you know, deal a blow. So I don't know. Like, they play her up with fire and she's crazy or something yeah yeah this her she's being animated normally but yeah like she's punching and kicking really hard except for when she scores the point where it's a light tap so yeah i don't know what to believe i guess i don't know imagine going to your child's karate recital competition and uh, another kid starts making you know six foot leaps into the air <laughs> that would be very concerning I will say this about Nancy, though. When she gently taps Lexi for that point, like, Lexi was completely helpless. She had no need to move quickly to catch her. Yeah. A very curious thing about those karate finals. For for one, they got that very large banner that I don't think you would get 
for real karate finals. Um, but second, that is a very, very hot crowd. Like, that is far louder than <laughs> I would expect such a small crowd to be. I, the crowd seemed to include, like, non-parents. This is just a very exciting event for... How old do we think Alexi is? Ten? Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Six to eleven? I don't know. But yeah, I mean, they say AEW has the best crowds. No, no, the the karate people here have the best crowds. Again, very... If you see kids jumping six feet up in the air, you'll get... You'll sell tickets. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, so that the the crowd being awfully loud for how small they are, that was one of the things that I noticed for the first time watching this with intent to podcast about it. But I, I did notice one more thing. You know how Bergy says, I saw nothing after Five accidentally blasts him with the memory mm-hmm, eraser array? Mm-hmm. Based off of the way, you know, Philip, you know, looked around when pocketing the coin, I, I'm assuming that the way that scene was meant to play out where they'll be like, oh, Phil thinks that Bergie's messing with him with the whole I saw nothing and then walking away like Bergie's making fun of him for picking up the coin. That's what Phil thinks is happening. Mm, it would have maybe been a little better to play it that way. But also Bergie is strange enough <laughs> that you yeah. can get away with having him say weird things and Phil would just accept it. So. Feels like it falls there. I mean, he he blasted himself in the eye with the price scanner, so... Exactly. Poor guy. <laughs> He's now the butt of the joke again completely, so... Oh, well. Yeah, now, who's he a secret agent for, I wonder? <laughs> Food for thought. Yes. I... <laughs> that was an accurate statement from Phil. Watch out. Deep lore. Yes, 100%. Deep lore. Deep lore. When they tell you things that you're not supposed to believe. But... Dun-dun-dun. It's always the it's always the naive foolish one that turns out, you know. Yeah, if they if they go if they make it out to season six, it'll turn out that Bergy was behind it all. Hinobi himself. <laughs> yeah, Mister Hinobi himself pulls a pulls a mask off, reveals that it was Bergy. <laughs> That'd be a good episode of Scooby Doo. <laughs> so a thing that I thought about this episode is how Glitch Text gives you know, creative people, this opportunity to design game enemies, locations, but without having to think about if it's actually gameplay-wise good. (laughs) So you get this really entertaining... I I just loved the enemy design and their movement patterns for... What was the actual fighting game called? Something 4. Karate Trainer 4? Karate Trainer 4, lol, the name of the freaking episode. (laughs) Um... But, like, you get, it's it's fun to be able to just creatively explore how ridiculous the bosses can be and what kind of fight patterns and combos you can do. But you get to do it without the limitation of that it's a real game and it actually has to make sense to play. And I think that's kind of fun and something that you kind of get, like, why I enjoyed One Punch Man a lot, just the ridiculousness of battles and seeing you know what monsters are going to do but because it's with a video game premise i don't know it just tickles a slightly different part of my brain that's a little more mushy candy craving (laughs) type area i see the thing that bothered me about karate trainer 4 was how incredibly short it is like i understand that it's (laughs) probably meant to primarily be a multiplayer focused game but there are only four enemies you can fight, and that means yeah, there four. are only a very small amount 
of characters you can choose in your multiplayer battles too. So it's like you you would figure that you would have at least you would at least be able to fight every character who's on the roster. So it's Karate Trainer Four. There's four. <laughs> four characters. That's the, okay. that's the big selling point of the God. game. Yeah. How how was Karate Trainer One successful enough to get a sequel? <laughs> I don't know. We're going to double the amount of characters in the game. You have to give us money. You get to play around with the game idea without having to worry about if it makes sense. Now, maybe they skipped some bosses, though. Like, you know, they triggered the belt and they got the final boss. But it only combined three bosses, I guess. So unless there are numerous different bosses, depending on which guys you fought on the way to get to him, which would be interesting. I would like, I would approve of that, but I... Ooh, I, yeah. That's That's not actually... That would be what we like to call a retcon. That would be a retcon. No, but it, that would be kind of Star Foxian. You can play through the game pretty fast, but there's a lot of paths. And, you know, you could have a different final enemy depending on which short path you took. So there's a lot of replayability. So, Karate Master, you show your true form. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you could work through to get to a true ending after you've beaten all, you know, 16 different paths. You could also, uh, you know, or it's just a Nintendo game, <laughs> and that's the content that got released <laughs> for the first half. Yeah, this is what you get, guys. Like, that's, I mean, although I think I got ARMS as a fighting game, you know, when the Switch only had Breath of the Wild and almost nothing else, and it was kind of like, here's oh, it was some awfully low number, like four or five stages and eight characters. Have fun, <laughs> but minimum viable product. Exactly. So that's a that's a little bit of truth in gaming right there. <laughs> I, I I did appreciate them bringing back Five's love of tutorials, and I loved the like just how how much Miko hates tutorials, <laughs> and so she she couldn't help but being disgusted as she mentioned this. Continuity is definitely appreciated, and the fact that it plays a role, like, there is a purpose to tutorials, and that actually helps Lexi. is a great thing. And she ends up pulling off her first perfect combo. Anyway, guys, that's been us on Karate Trainer. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm David. Don't forget to leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com.